Saiyans does it take to change a light bulb? One, but it'll take him 17 episodes to do it. Goku begins removing the light bulb from the box next time on Dragon Ball Z! Welcome to Film Theory, where we aspire to reach Frieza levels of dialogue. What's the deal? Is your phone call over? Good thing they reached you before I disconnected your number! poetry. It's simply poetry. People love Dragon Ball. It played a major hand in popularizing anime in the West. It gave Cartoon Network some of the highest ratings they'd ever seen. And according to the NPD group, Dragon Ball Z is the number one selling anime brand of all time. I mean, sure, you may have gotten some odd glances from your parents when they saw you watch Trunks scream at Frieza for 12 seconds straight in slow motion, but at its heart, it's really a show all about overcoming obstacles in the face of overwhelming adversity. And screaming at each other's faces for prolonged periods of time. But buried amongst the Dragon Ball franchises, 600 plus episodes, 19 movies, and one Vegeta mustache, one battle in particular has gone down in infamy. Not as the most insanely powerful, ridiculously destructive fight, nor as the most satisfying and well-written story arc, but as the longest, drawn-out fight that's ever graced our TV screens. Dare I say the longest fight in the history of all of television? Yes, I am talking about the Frieza Saga. For those of you who are nodding your heads or able to read a title, now, for those of you who aren't familiar with DBZ, the Frieza saga refers to episodes 75 through 107 of the original Dragon Ball Z run. During this arc, the Z fighters go to the planet Namek in order to gather the Dragon Balls, which will allow them to summon a dragon able to grant one wish. Their goal is to revive all those who died at the hands of the Saiyans several sagas ago. Frieza, the main antagonist of the saga, overhears talk about the Namekian Dragon Balls and sets out to the planet to wish for immortality. The two groups eventually meet, and since this is Dragon Ball, they fight for a very long time. To give you an idea, they're on Namek starting at episode 36, and the big bad of Frieza really doesn't do all that much until episode 75. 75! And here you thought my episodes were full of filler, but of all that filler, nothing is as infamous as this moment. Five minutes. That's how long you have. Five minutes is all that I need. Now, in most cases, this would make it seem like the planet should blow up in, I don't know, five minutes? You know, on account of the fact that he just said that, but this is Dragon Ball Z! So five minutes through the magic of anime is turned into, and I'm not exaggerating this at all, two hours, 38 minutes, and 55 seconds, give or take about a minute. That is from the end of episode 97 to the destruction of the planet in episode 106. So what all happens in that two and a half hour span of time? Well, one hour and 18 minutes are spent showing Namek's destruction, the events on Earth, King Kai's home, Kami's lookout, subplots with Vegeta and Gohan that don't include Frieza, Bulma scenes, and lastly, reminiscing, because what better time is there to look back at your past decisions? 35 minutes are spent talking, and this is specifically anyone talking to Frieza, so long as it's actively happening on the battlefield. And finally, 42 minutes are actually spent throwing fisticuffs as well as concentrated balls of energy. Now, it would be natural to assume that maybe these fighters perceive time differently, and so that's why a five-minute estimate balloons out to nearly three hours, that the show has somehow slowed down the fight so that we can see it and comprehend 
intended, that it's all cinematic timing. This, at least, seems to be the most popular theory as to what's actually going on here. The animating staff animated the fight so that you could understand what's happening. Looking into the comments of these sorts of videos, they also seem to agree, except there's one problem. The 35 minutes spent talking to Frieza. Sound can only travel so fast, no matter what your power level is. So sure, you can assume that literally everything else in that three hour block of time is happening concurrently or happening at the speed of light. But the talking scenes prove that at minimum, the planet explodes no less than 35 minutes after Frieza's original five minute prediction. So then why? Why would Frieza say five minutes if Namek clearly survives much longer than that? That loyal theorists is what I'm here to answer today. Personally, I believe that Frieza didn't make a miscalculation about the time at all. In fact, I think he knew it would last much longer the entire time. So let's hope your bodies can take it because today we end the debate once and for all. I'm gonna start with the simple facts. If you do something a lot, no matter the task, you get a good feel for it. And when it comes to blowing up planets, Frieza is a pro. He knows what type of planet, how much power, and how much time it'll take for the whole thing to go kaboom. Look no further than planet Vegeta, which he eliminates without breaking a sweat. So what was his issue with planet Namek? Why wasn't he able to destroy it as easily as other planets? Well, first, it was much denser than he expected. What do I mean by this? Well, have you ever noticed that Namek has a really long day cycle? Like, really, really long? As in every single shot on Namek is in the daytime? Well, because Akira Toriyama hated drawing night scenes in the manga, he made Namek tidally locked. This means its rotational period matches its orbital period. And I guess just to make sure that there would be daylight super all the time, Namek is locked not just with one, not just with two, but with three suns. This is something that's actually confirmed in the manga. Now, typically, planets are ejected from these sorts of tri-star systems because they're just too unstable to maintain. The gravity of three massive stars all acting on the same ball of dirt would normally pull a planet to shreds, ripping it in multiple different directions. But somehow, Namek is not only able to stay in orbit, but also stay intact. So how could that possibly be? Well, it means one of two things. Either Namek is ridiculously huge, or it's ridiculously dense. Now, there's not really a frame of reference for its size, but we do get one indication that the world isn't particularly big. In the manga, Frieza's henchman Dodoria says, quote, Without our scanners, it's gonna be a real pain tracking down these last two Dragon Balls. Oh well, at least it's not too large of a planet. Plus, we see as the planet's collapsing that Gohan is able to travel back and forth between the battlefield and the capsule in a relatively short amount of time, but without seeing the effects of Frieza's planet destroyer. As such, we can assume that the planet's strength is coming not from its size, but rather its density, extending the time it takes for the planet to blow up. And this surprises Frieza. He even makes a comment after he fires his attack at Namek's core, stating that I held back too much power. This line isn't to Goku, by the way. He's not even facing him. He says it to himself because he knows immediately that it's gonna take longer than he initially thought. And when Goku calls him out on the next line, you see his attention audibly turn. You couldn't do it. You couldn't go through with it after all, huh? So what do you do if you're Frieza in this moment? You've miscalculated your attack, and you're on the ropes against a really difficult opponent. Well, one thing that we've seen throughout the various battles is that Frieza is pretty darn smart. He gets a lot dumber as the series goes on, but in this main arc, he's very strategic, serving as the polar opposite to Goku. Where Goku fights on fair terms, Frieza fights dirty. Where Goku improvises, Frieza strategizes. Interestingly enough, despite all the boasting 
and confidence, Frieza is never one to assume things will just work out. Take the destruction of planet Vegeta. To prevent an uprising and the loss of his throne, he destroys an entire planet purely based off the legend of the Super Saiyan. In addition to militaristic self-preservation and running an empire 448 planets deep, Frieza is constantly using psychological warfare against his opponents. He seems to be a follower of Sun Tzu's teachings, because you can actually trace most of his tactics back to the art of war. Here's an example from the book. Rouse him and learn the principle of his activity or inactivity. Force him to reveal himself so as to find out his vulnerable spots. For all the memes about it not being his final form, Frieza hides his true nature because of this Sun Tzu quote. A true fighter doesn't reveal his true abilities until he's fully sussed out his opponents. Actually, he does it quite a bit. One of Frieza's signature characteristics is that he often doesn't move a limb during a fight. While it could just be a result of how sure of himself he is, it also happens to be one of the other strategies in the art of war. Quote again, be extremely subtle, even to the point of formlessness. Be extremely mysterious, even to the point of soundlessness. Thereby, you can be the director of the opponent's fate. By not allowing his movements to be predictable, he is a total wild card on the battlefield. You can't dodge or block what you can't see coming. And when your opponent isn't even moving, there's no way to prepare for a counterattack. All of this plays into Frieza's psychological warfare. Throughout the series, we see instance after instance of Frieza belittling his opponents. When fighting Nail, Frieza praises his power level of 42,000, only to cut it down by revealing his own to be 530,000. Building his confidence only to break it down, completely crushing the genuine effort Nail had in powering up, making the soon-to-be struggle all for naught. And again, these are all lessons from the art of war. Quote, Supreme excellence consists of breaking the enemy's resistance without fighting. If your opponent is temperamental, seek to irritate him. Pretend to be weak that he may grow arrogant. If he's taking his ease, give him no rest. A great example of this is when Gohan, Vegeta, and Dende are forced to watch helplessly as Frieza literally plays with Krillin impaled on his horn. By treating this powerful fighter like a mere plaything, Frieza makes his raw power and inhumanity seem that much more unconquerable, striking fear into everyone watching, including Vegeta himself. They're demoralized. They've lost the battle before it's really begun because they're so afraid of their opponent. Fast forward a bit and we can see the same kind of twisted demoralization tactics used during his fight with Piccolo. He intentionally humiliates and tortures Piccolo for the fun of it, but also to send a warning to everyone else watching from below. That feeling of helplessness I was hoping to inspire must be settling in nicely. Even in Piccolo's final moments, he lets the Namekian resurface just so he can finish the job in front of Gohan. Because Frieza has super hearing, he knows that Piccolo means a lot to the boy, so he forces Gohan to watch his death, devastating Gohan's morale. During his fight with Goku, he's constantly bringing up how he's killed so many people. The Namekians, his friends, specifically Krillin, all in an effort to distract and anger Goku. But it doesn't work. The two start fighting at episode 87, but 10 episodes later, Frieza's established that he can't win by conventional means. So his most drastic offensive strategy is to blow up the entire planet, knowing that Goku will die and he'll be okay in the vacuum of space. But when the planet doesn't completely blow up like anticipated, he has to come up with a plan to lie. Following another of Sun Tzu's quotes, all warfare is based on deception. In the midst of chaos, there is also opportunity. By the time Frieza uses destroy the planet, he's figured the only thing he has to do is force Goku to rush, to screw up somewhere, and look for an opening to deliver the final blow. By setting the five-minute timer, Frieza intends to plant fear and doubt into Goku's head. There's no time to think. You ever play chess using a timer? It's the same thing. It forces you to move faster and constantly be thinking about the clock ticking down in the background. By 
by Frieza clearly letting his opponent know that Goku will die in the explosion while Frieza survives. Whether it's true or not, it sets the stakes super high for Goku. He has to finish the job now to avenge his friends, but the clock is ticking. Just like Sun Tzu said, it created chaos, and there is opportunity in chaos. The fact of the matter is that Frieza, without a doubt, used the whole five-minute bit as a means of psychological warfare to ensure Goku's defeat. The only problem was that he not only underestimated the energy needed to destroy the planet, he also underestimated Goku himself. But hey, that's just a theory. A film theory. And Goku begins turning the light bulb next time on Dragon Ball Z.